You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. What is happening? It's on the You're listening to the AME Radio Show. Welcome to the AME Radio Show. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and we have got a great show in store for you guys this week. We've got two great guests coming up, and we're going to be talking about all things art, music, and entertainment, some of the things that I love the most. And it's also some of the things I'm most passionate about. Now, do you believe it is the second week of January already? I swear, this lifetime does not know how to step on the brakes. All it does is step on the gas and go, 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 go. That's why you can't sit around and just let something happen wait for something to happen, you got to jump in there and take it. And if you're ambitious enough, you can make anything happen. But as time flies, you got to realize that everything around you is precious. So you got to use the time that you have wisely and use it to benefit not only yourself, but other people around you. Because when you benefit everybody, everybody wins. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing. That's what I love about art, because you're able to impact so many people in one sitting. So... Let's see. We got some pretty interesting news going on. I know we're a little bit late to talk about this, but we took a week off uh, going into the new year because we were setting up a new, um, our new uh, TV station. And so we are back. And I wanted to talk to you guys quickly about the uh, Mariah Carey debacle on, um, on uh, Seacrest uh, Rockin' New Year's Eve. If you guys turned into that... I guarantee you, I was really expecting a great performance by Mariah Carey. She was singing live in Times Square. But what I got was something completely different. Now, as a diehard fan of Mariah Carey, I love her music. I was shocked, as everybody else was. I mean, my, my mouth was hitting the, my, my chest with how big my, my mouth was just hanging open. Because I was very disappointed. Now... Everybody knows Mariah Carey has one of the most prolific voices to ever step into, into the music industry. She is able to hit seven octaves. She has written and performed more of, her, more of her own songs that have gone to number one than just about any other artist out there. Um, she has a charisma about her that always made her, her presence so welcoming and refreshing. And what we saw on New Year's Eve was not was anything but that. I guess let's start off with her outfit. Now, I know that, you know, pop singers and all these other types of musicians like to go out and be a little bit more um risque on the, on the stage, but I didn't expect Carrie to do that. She showed up in this leotard that was nude. So it it blended in with her skin really. It looked like she was naked out there. Uh, other than a couple little glitter uh, patches here and there where you could where she sparkled and shimmered in the light, you couldn't tell she was wearing clothes, so, except for obviously the obvious places. And that kind of shocked me to begin with. But then she's set to, to sing Emotions to start out with. Now, everybody knows Emotions, that really, really high pitch that she got up to, and then she goes back down to a low one without cracking her voice. That's really what made her famous, and Emotions was one of her most popular songs that she's ever written and performed, so I was excited to see her perform this, and I didn't realize that she was going to be lip-singing it, 
Well, supposedly what ended up happening was she wasn't able to hear herself in the, um, in the playback, so she wasn't able to lip sync it correctly. And therefore, she didn't sing at all. Didn't even move her lips. Didn't even try. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, why does a, why does a superstar like Mariah Carey need to even lip sync anything? You know, you got it. You got an amazingly gorgeous voice. Just sing. And so, obviously, that was the first one was a mess. She was complaining about the sound people right on the stage. The second song started. She tried to hit a couple of like little high pitched notes and stuff like that, but couldn't do it either. So then she just walks off the stage in a tirade. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, "Wow, 2016 just killed its last performer," and it did 30 minutes before uh, the New Year started too. How about that? Now, the more I think about this, I was at a, I was at a concert in St. Petersburg for, uh, for, for the 4th of July, and Debbie Gibson was performing. Now, I've never seen Debbie Gibson before, and it was a very quaint little thing. I mean, maybe, you know, 200 people around her, around her on this little stage that they made for her on the St. Pete Pier. And I'll tell you what, guys, it rained so hard. It was like a monsoon. I've never seen such hard rain coming down from all over the place. Now, you know, there was a risk of her actually getting electrocuted because of how badly it was raining with all the equipment that she had and plugged in. So they stopped any type of, um, any type of um, microphones or bass, player, uh, bass amps or anything. Anything, anything that was going to be needed to be plugged in needed to be shut off. Debbie Gibson got up and sang all her favorite songs a cappella. And she could sing. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, wow, that was impressive. She took a situation where she could have just walked off the stage, canceled everything that she was doing, and just leave. But instead, she wanted to make sure that her fans were happy, so she sang it. Now, she was singing live anyway. She wasn't lip-syncing anything. But when everything else went wrong, she still managed to come up with it. Now, I know Mariah Carey, who wrote these songs, knows them by the back of her hand. She's able to perform it. I know she can, she can hit the notes. So why didn't she sing it? Why didn't she continue to sing when, even though things were bad? Her microphone was working fine. Everybody would have heard her. So anyways, um, after, after the, uh, this whole incident got over with, it was now uh, January 1st, she releases a statement saying that the Dick Clark Productions was trying to sabotage her in front of the national crowd, which is... Even worse. So not only did you not sing your songs, you were lip-singing it to begin with, you had a tirade on stage, you wore a hideous outfit, and now you're blaming somebody else. Now, Dick Clark Productions said that uh, Carrie decided she didn't want to do any sound checks before the, um, the performance that night. But she said she did do it, and they knew about this problem with the headset, but they, f- they failed to fix it. I don't know who to believe on that one, but I tend to believe... Um, Dick Clark Productions because of the fact that they had a lot riding on this, more so than Carrie did. And I know if there was something that was going to be messed up or anything inside of their equipment, they would have stood up and said something or they would have just you know, switched and say, look, we can't do the lip sync. You're going to have to sing live. So I was very disappointed in that because, like I said, I've been a fan of Mariah Carey since 1992-93. Um, and her songs have played a big part of me growing up. So to watch her completely come apart like that on stage and show a, a side of her I didn't think existed put a bad taste in my mouth. Now, I don't know how this is going to hurt or help her down the line, but it's a good possibility this could have some type of ramifications going forward. 
So that was my take on on that. And also, I don't know if anybody else saw the rest of the stuff, but I, I was not impressed with anybody that got out there and performed that night. The only, I did not see Fergie. I was really tired. I went to bed around midnight, so I did not see Fergie at all. I don't know how she was. Uh, DNCE wasn't bad. They actually sounded normal to like what their their actual album uh, "Cake by the Ocean" uh, track is. So that kind of made me feel a little bit better, but I was just horrified by the by the uh, the entire list of, of bands and talent that they had for there that night. I don't know. I, I guess I guess maybe I'm just getting older and I'm just not seeing the music, but I just thought that the music was terrible, especially the choices that they picked for a New Year's celebration. Half the stuff I couldn't even dance to. So why would I get out there and listen to that at, at a party? I don't know, beside me. Uh, next bit of news. I don't know if you guys watch Disney Channel. I'm an avid Disney lover, despite the fact that I'm in my 30s. Um, I grew up on the Disney Channel, and I've noticed something that's been going on recently, and I don't know what what's causing it, actually, but it seems like Disney has not been making a lot of uh, recently new shows. I mean, you got Stuck in the Middle, you have Elena of Avalor, uh, you have Casey Undercover. Going into about Oh, I don't know, Thanksgiving to now, they really haven't pre- uh, released any shows, but they did release a new special for each one for around the Thanksgiving and Christmas time. I'm sorry, Halloween and Christmas time. And there really has been very far and few in between new shows since then. But Disney, they, Dis- the Disney Channel has just released that they are going to be um, canceling Girl Meets World, which is a spinoff of Boy Meets World. Basically, you jump about 15 years, and it takes you to how Corey and Topanga are living now, the life of Sean, their daughters, who are also trying to find hit her way into the world and find out who she is. And so I'm really sad to see that one go. And I'm also hearing that they are canceling Liv and Maddie after the first ep- the first season of the Liv and, Matt- Liv and Maddie Kelly style. So it's kind of interesting how they're working this. But I've been noticing that they've been bringing back a lot of their old shows. Good Luck Charlie's been back on. Shake It Up's been back on. Uh, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Hannah Montana. All of these shows are starting to come back. And they're starting to play various episodes from all the seasons so it's not like they're just playing the last season on on some of these they're playing all of them and they're even kind of bringing back jesse and austin and Allie, which just went off at the beginning of 2016 um but they're playing a lot more variety it's not just the last show or the last episode or last season so um i don't know what's going on over there but i think they're I think they're getting ready to try to shake things up, or they realize that they have so many years of programming, they don't need to keep producing brand new things out there. I don't know. So that's what I have for you today with art and entertainment news. Uh, We have two great guests coming up. We have uh, Cynthia Bravo, and she is the... uh, the founder of Glicks Entertainment. Now, this is a very cool production company, but they also have a 501c3. So if you wanted to come up with a TV concept or movie concept and you don't know where to start, don't know how to go, don't know how to get the funding, they will help you with that. We also have Carrie Ann Paneshe coming up, and she is a former Miss Teen USA. She is a actress, and she is also a model. Now, she took her passion for all the arts and put it into a brand new thing that she has called the Daff House, which is interior designing, but also has some of her signature art styles that she has with furniture and some paintings and stuff like that. Really cool stuff. So we're going to be talking to her in just a little bit also. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be going on the phone with Cynthia Bravo, so don't go anywhere.
The AMFM 24-7 Roku channel broadcasts all of our shows on demand. To ensure reliability, we store and stream our content on the same servers as Netflix and Amazon. Our Roku channel is free to use, and anyone owning one of the more than 10 million Roku devices can watch our channel at no cost whatsoever. If you have a television show or are thinking about producing a show, you can be a part of AMFM 24-7's Roku channel. Watch our great shows on your Roku device. It's free and more reliable than cable TV. Are you stuck with a timeshare? Did you attend the presentation and were seduced and enticed into buying that great vacation and investment? Now you're in the terrible position of trying to figure out a way to get out of that mess. You're not alone. For over 15 years, BuyYourTimeshare.com has been helping people like yourself get out of timeshare ownership. The fact is there is no resale market. Unscrupulous telemarketers call you and say they have buyers waiting, and the next thing that happens is you give them hundreds of dollars for an ad, and you'll never hear from them again. Another fact is that an identical timeshare to yours is being offered on eBay for a dollar, and no one is buying it. If you want out of your timeshare, I urge you to go to buyyourtimeshare.com or call them at 877-94-HELP-ME. That number again is 877-94-HELP-ME. Buyyourtimeshare.com. That's buyyourtimeshare.com. 877-94-HELP-ME. 877-94-HELP-ME. A teacher holds the power to make a huge difference in the lives of students. D.D. Ritman's new book, Student Teaching, The Inside Scoop from a Master Teacher, will help both new teachers and veteran teachers to be the best teachers they can be, impacting students' lives one day at a time. Available at ddritman.com or amazon.com. Again, that's ddritman.com, D-E-D-E-R-I-T-T-M-A-N.com. Hi, I'm Sharon May Wang. Please check out my movie, OMG, We're in a Horror Movie, on iTunes or Google Play today. Thank you. Hey, everybody. This is Jay Underwood from uh, the original Fantastic Four, Roger Corman's uh, early 90s production, and now the uh, documentary Doomed, and you are listening to the AME Radio Show. All right, everybody. I have on the line with me a very special guest. Her name is Cynthia Bravo, and she is the CEO of Glicks Entertainment, and she's also a part of Glicks for the Arts, it's a 501c3 that helps you get out there and represent, they represent you, uh, if you wanted to, to uh, get into the movie scenes and stuff like that. Very interesting stuff. Welcome to the show, Cynthia. How are you doing today? Hey, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. for co- Thank you for coming on. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, first of all, I guess, tell me a little bit about yourself and how did you get into uh, eventually starting Glicks Entertainment? Well, uh, I always wanted to be an actress, and ever since I can remember, I was part of theater groups, just school groups uh, in which I was always acting or very um, passionate about any opportunity to get on stage, either acting or dancing or, or whatever the school had. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an actress. But my family, they are all entrepreneurs, so I was kindly guided towards business school. (laughs) So I I went into business school because acting wasn't really a profession, at least not from the point of view of my family because, of course, there's not uh, stability as they see it, right? Right. You are going from one gig to the other one. So I went into business school, but that passion of mine was always there. So when I graduated from business school, I told my parents, okay, this degree is for you guys. 
now I'm going to get my degree. So then I went on and did an undergrad in the acting. So that was cool. I went to Vancouver and, and I did that. I didn't finish it all the way through because halfway I moved to LA to do an, an MFA in acting. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually when I graduated, I started to produce my own projects. And then um, a friend of mine asked me to produce her project and then she referred me to someone else and then someone else called me and suddenly I got offered money to produce a project. And I was thinking, okay, I guess I'll do it. I never actually thought that I was going to end up producing, but because I had a background in business, it came very, very easy to me. It's the same thing, like producing a film and managing a business, from my point of view, is exactly the same because you have to deal with crew, with vendors, with budget, with accounting, put all the pieces together. So it's the basis of any business. So that's how I ended up uh, creating my own company with my husband, Gonzalo Digenio, who is a great cinematographer, by the way. So we founded Gleeks and we started to do our own projects and got involved with other production companies and produce projects for someone else. So it was kind of like... it. The past presented itself. I didn't think that I was going to do that, but it just happened. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I was the same way with my family. You know, they wanted me to go to school. One wanted me to be a writer. One wanted me to be an artist. And it's like, you know, you were torn. And what I don't think people realize is that when they're, when you have an art uh, passion inside of you, it's virtually impossible to get rid of it. And it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what you do. You can go get all types of degrees, but I've always found that somehow, some way, they always come back to that art. So I'm glad you decided to pursue that and not um, you know, embrace what, you, what you've learned. And, and you actually took a couple of things that actually you, you didn't even want to take at, t- at the time and turned it into something positive that you wanted to do to help your passion, which is awesome. Yeah, that, that's how it works. And, and on the bright side, I'm very grateful for having taken business as my undergrad because it's allowed me to get involved with all these projects and just um, have a different vision. I'm not just waiting for someone to cast me, which is also good, but I'm more active and I'm more uh, creating other opportunities and learning from different areas. So it all worked out perfectly because otherwise I wouldn't have all these background and all this knowledge that it's helped me get into way more projects than I would have otherwise. So um, things happen for a reason, and that was good. (laughs) I'm happy with my parents for having persuaded me to do that. So it's good. And like you say, when you have a passion, there's no way to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. So even though I did that, I was always very active with uh, acting and just like the entertainment industry. There's no way you can take that from me. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> now, if I, re- if I re- read in your bio right, you're Mexican, right? Yes, I was born and raised in Mexico. Then I moved to Vancouver uh, in 2008, I believe, around 2008. I was there for two years, and then I moved to L.A. in 2011. So growing up in Mexico, I mean, I know how I know how Hollywood and, and uh, movies and art is here in the country uh, of the United States. What's it like in Mexico? Is it much different from uh, from from the United States? You know, I I didn't actually get a chance to do any film in Mexico. I did a lot of theater, mm-hmm. so I can talk a little bit about theater in Mexico. Uh, fortunately, in my home city, Morelia. Uh, It's very cultural, so going to the theater is an activity that people do. So there are chances. You can belong to several small theater groups, and there are lots of small theaters all the way downtown. So it it is an activity that people do, so it's nice. Um, 
then in Querétaro, the other city that I went to do my undergrad, there's also a lot of theater and it's very cultural. There, most of the theater that I did was part of my university, like part of college, like extracurricular activities. So I did a lot of that. But before I even got the chance to do film, I moved to Vancouver. Because originally, I didn't think of film. I was only thinking of acting. Uh, so that's why I have a strong background in theater. Because for me, acting, just go to the stage or in the street or whatever. It's just acting. And then when I was halfway through my BFA in acting in Vancouver, I thought, well, I would like to focus a little bit more on film because I already had background from Mexico on theater. So I was getting a little bit more of the same. Excellent training, acting-wise, but the things that I was accomplishing was, again, being on stage and doing plays, which is great, but I wanted to do more. So that's why I moved to LA and I decided to focus on film, which is something that I had never done before. Hmm. So I, I, don't, I cannot really compare film in Mexico in, with LA, but what I do know is that of course, there are way more productions here in Los Angeles and in the U.S. in general. Mm-hmm. I have several friends in Mexico that uh, started to do film, and uh, the opportunities are very limited, unfortunately, but it's growing, so that's good. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that's different is that here it's a little bit more um, specialized. Like, they're, all the departments are very clear. People know what they're doing. And you go to a film set to be a line producer or a gaffer or a grip or whatever your profession is. Whereas in Mexico, it's not as specialized. So you might get a group of filmmakers or a crew that are going to be more like wearing several hats, doing whatever is needed when it's needed. Not, not that specialized as it is here. From what I hear from my friends that are doing that. So I think that's an interesting difference. It is. Now, what was some of the differences? Because you, I, I heard that you were act, you were doing acting, and like you said, you've been in the theater and everything else. What type of transition was it for you to actually produce a movie? Uh, was it a, was it a hard contrast for you? Was it something that just kind of came easy? How did you learn to make that happen so that way you could you could do a you know a bang up job on the on the uh, on the film that you were working on? Yeah, that's a good question because <laughs> it didn't just happen spontaneously. I actually went to school for it. I should have mentioned that. Uh, when I was doing uh, my film um, degree, my master's, during the summer, I was taking directing and producing classes. So I did had some uh, education. I, I didn't understand fully the industry just from the beginning. I took some classes. I did a filmmaking workshop. I enrolled into the UCLA producing certificate so I did gain some learning from school and then I just applied that to on set I did several student projects when I was in school and whenever someone needed someone extra I always volunteer because I love being on set so at any opportunity that I had I always just take it so that's how it started however when I was in school or even during my first projects that's when I discovered how similar it was to business because everything just made sense. It, at the end of the day, a company and a film, you, you're reaching for the same things. You have limited budget and you want to make the best out of it. And then you'll have a product that you'll sell. So whether that product is entertainment in the form, form of a film or a can of soda, you still are optimizing resources to get that product. So that's, that's when I realized that. But I did get um, get some education and training for producing. 
So tell me about some of the projects that you have coming up for Glix Entertainment. Uh, well, right now, the next next one, the immediate next one, <laughs> it's called The Bone Box, which is a really, really good horror film uh, written by Luke Ganton. And it's about a grave robber that comes to believe that he's being hunted by those he stole from. So it's a very smart horror film, very contained, one location. Uh, and the lead actor, Garrett Corson, is fantastic. He's also helping with the producing. Gonzalo Genio is doing the cinematography. And uh, it, I'm very excited about that because of the story. That's, that's the thing that I like most about my films or the projects that I get involved with. If it has a good story then you're on the other side. And uh, people passionate is really good, and I'm lucky to have a team of passionate filmmakers that love what they do, and they're not just afraid of just doing it. They don't hesitate. We're, we're making films, and we're making good films, and they can only get better, so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. You know, that's a really interesting type of uh, movie because you would think that if somebody was robbing graves, that would haunt them. I mean, I can't see it any other way. Right? Yeah, no, it's it's really smart also because you never know if everything is in his head because he does start seeing ghosts. Mm-hmm. Well, he does start seeing the people he stole from. But, again, like, you will never know if it's real or if it's only his head. So it's also, like, that morality of how much can someone handle, like, out of guilt, can it make you feel things? Can it make you see things? Or is there something actually supernatural that if you do something bad, justice will come? So I, I find that very interesting. And as I said, the, the script is very smart. So I'm very, very excited about that one. And then after that one, we're going to, we want to do a film in Mexico, since you asked about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Spirits, and it's around the Day of the Dead. Again, it's a smart horror film. So that's uh, a, a little bit later uh, in 2017. And in between projects that we produce in-house, we also get hired by other production companies to help them with different resources, uh, meaning crew, equipment. We have a lot of equipment, electric, insurance, guidance, breaking down their scripts, budgets, whatever they need. We do do work as kind of freelancers. We're just like subcontractors for other companies too. So... Yeah, we are very lucky to be busy <laughs> during the year. <laughs> that sounds awesome. And and now, the Day of the Dead isn't that actually a pretty? Uh, it's a it's a, a it's a celebration in Mexico, is it not? It is. It is a big celebration, and uh, it, I was raised with that culture, of course. And it is believed that on that day, the deceased people, the dead, come back for one night to be, to reunite, kind of with. Uh, your loved ones, but it's, uh, for me, I just un- kind of understand it, but it's, when I tell it to people, it's like, what, so they are coming back and it's ghosts? I'm like, no, the tradition is that um, you put an altar um, and you put, like, the picture of the people that, the person that you're giving the altar to, and you put all their favorite things in life. Usually it's food, mm. like the favorite drink, the favorite dish, and you leave it overnight, and it's believed that overnight they come and they take the essence of the food, the water, the wine, whatever you left out. So it's just a way to remember them and to embrace them and celebrate them, as opposed to just um, being sad, I guess. 
So it's, it's, I, I think culturally is extremely interesting. And in my home state, it's actually the biggest one of the Day of the Dead because they make it big, like on the cemetery, the decorations that they make and all the altars and all these offerings that they make to the, de- the dead. It's just amazing. And it's become a big cultural attraction, too, because of that, because visually it's really nice. It's, it's just it's different. You don't see that anywhere else. No, that sounds fascinating. So tell me, uh, if somebody comes to you with a project, like let's just say, for instance, I have a movie and I need help producing it or I need help in something, what would you be able to do for me to help me get my uh, my movie, my short film, my television series, whatever it may be, out into uh, full production? Well, uh, that's a good question. And it really depends on what you have. That's the first question that I ask them. Someone comes to me, I'm like, okay, what do you have so far? What do you need? Because every project is different. Like when we do something in-house, that means that we are fully responsible for everything, meaning raising the funds, doing all the pre-production, production, post-production, everything we will do in-house, and then it's at least entertainment production, and we own it because it's it's something that we did. But let's say that you come with something and you already have a director attached, or you have talent attached, or you have locations, or you have some funding, then what we can do is start filling up the blanks, whatever it's needed, or whatever you want us to film, because maybe you have a director, but you will also attach uh, your friend who's an actor, or you will get some other things. So it's about collaboration. I will, We will provide whatever you need that it's missing or whatever you want us to provide. So we can be as involved or as little involved as any production needs us because some productions actually only come for us let's say for breakdowns they need us to break down their script give them an estimated budget so like they can present that to the investors and start attaching the pieces and that's fine and some others say okay i'm missing x y and c and then we go like yeah we can of course provide that so it really depends on the project but we can make it happen from scratch actually from the idea of the film to like you're only missing I don't know, uh, camera equipment, or you're missing three people in your crew, and then we can give that. You know, I would think that the investment would probably be the hardest part because it's not easy for people to buy into an idea or find somebody that has enough money to make a good potential movie for anything. Because, I mean, uh, it, let's just let's face it, it you know, for a, a very basic type of movie, I would think it would cost no less than $50,000 and probably, you know, that's for like the shoestring budget and maybe for like even a, a bigger budget, probably be between one hundred and five hundred thousand. and 500000 Am I right? You are absolutely right. <laughs> you couldn't be more spot on. When I'm being asked, like, what's the hardest thing? I always think getting the money. It's really, really tough to get the funds because you are asking people to risk their money in you to take a leap of faith and just believe in your project as much as you do. So that's a really, really tough thing to do. And yes, you're right, like a low budget film, it's easily a hundred K. I've worked on films that are twenty K, like passion projects, but it's different. Like for a film that you actually want to get out there and you want to do some marketing, at least you need a hundred K. So not anyone can just put out of pocket a hundred thousand dollars. And then that's like 
minimum that's like ultra low budget phones and then you have modified low budgets which are like up to 500k which is still a lot of money and it's still considered a low budget phone so yes coming up with the funds it's always always very very difficult but not impossible especially if you've already have one phone out there and you have a track record you know if if you can prove to an investor that your phones are selling and they will get their money back or previous forms of you have gotten the money back, then it's a way better place to start. Because then they say, okay, it's not like a blank risk, like you're just believing, like you actually have proof of this person, this phone maker is making content that is sellable, is marketable, and people want to see. So then it's easier to get it. But it's hard as a first-time director to actually do that because we all start with one phone. <laughs> yeah. So no, no one's born with like a resume behind their back. So that's, that's tough. And, and, and it's also challenging, but I mean, it, it is what it is. And when you have the drive to do it, I don't think anything will stop you. Yes, that's true. Now, what if I came to you with a, with a film? Let's just say we're going to start it from scratch, okay? And let's just say the concept is absolutely horrific. I mean, it, you know damn well this thing's going to turn into an absolute stinker in, in, the, uh, in the film, uh, in the theaters or, or distribution, and it's just not going to go anywhere. What do you do in something like that? Do you still try to, pr- you still try to help them get it, maybe tune it, make it better? Or do you just say, look, this, this thing just is not going to work. You're going to have to come up with an, another idea. How do, you, how do you deal with a situation like that? Like you mean if if I don't think that movie is gonna do well, or yes. if I do think that the movie is gonna, if I don't think, well, I, we wouldn't get involved with that okay. as Leaks Entertainment because we have to believe in the project. It's not about just making content because you want to make content. Because the other hard part that we realize is not only coming with the money, but also selling the film. So if I don't believe that the movie is gonna be sold then I'm wasting my time and this person's time. Now, if you have a concept that has potential from, again, like this is very relative because this is art we're talking about. So I might not see potential in something, but then who knows? Warner Brothers sees potential. So my opinion is no better than anyone else's. You know, like it it really depends on who is reading it. But let's say that I think it's not right for us, it's not what we produce, then it's, we say that, like, there are several options. The filmmaker could be very attached to the script or he could be willing to make changes because, I mean, you can publish a script, you can ask things. If, for my, from my point of view, if something's not working, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. So the reason could be, you know, the lead character is not likable. How can we make it more likable? You know, the story has no arc. How can we make it, like, give it an arc so there are things that you can improve so if you come with me with a story and you really want to do it and you're open for feedback i will always give you my honest feedback which again it's one person one point of view based on my little knowledge but maybe someone else can find your script hilarious or you know like the best one they've ever read and that's fair so that's that's an advice for anyone that's writing like they should never take anything personal because it's really really a taste issue and it's an art form but if they come to us we will give them feedback and see if they're willing to work it out and if not then if they still want us to produce then we act just as 
hire people. Like they can hire someone from our company as line producer. They can hire someone as sound mixer, or they can rent equipment from us. And then it's a different ballpark. It's just we are part of their crew, but it's their from. Make sense? It does make sense, absolutely. Well, we are about three minutes away before we have to say goodbye. I can't believe it's been 20 minutes already. But uh, <laughs> so fast. please tell everybody how they can get in touch with you, how they can find out about your movies, how they can maybe even propose a potential uh, uh, movie to you. Absolutely. Uh, well, the easiest thing right now is, of course, websites. Uh, our website is Glicks Entertainment, and that's G L I X and entertainment.com. Uh, we also have a non-profit organization. If someone has like a short film and that's completely free, filmmakers don't have to pay anything and we help filmmakers to get their projects out there and produce their projects. So that's also very interesting if someone has that. And it's called Clicks for the Arts and that's G-L-I-X for the Arts, plural.com, uh, which is something very cool, I think. So you, they have to check it out. Um, then we have our Facebook, of course, Clicks Entertainment, and on IMDb you can also look it up, look us up as Clicks Entertainment Production Company. Awesome. Well, thank you, Cynthia, for coming on. This has been a lot of a lot of fun. I learned a lot, and I wish you all the best. I can't wait to see what you have coming out in the future. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day, and thank you for having me. You too. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We got so much more coming back. Stay right here. Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props, and beautifully elaborate outfits, all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling. The masks come from a shop at Epcot at the Italian Pavilion, where all these photos are on display for you to see. This is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career, having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czars. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them. Hi, I'm Andy Allo, and you're listening to the AME Radio Show. All right, everybody, I have on the line with me a very special guest. Her name is Carrie Ann Peniche, and she is a former Miss Oregon Teen USA, former United States teen. She's a model, a reality star, and she opened up a brand new design studio called Daff House. Welcome to the show, Carrie. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Well, I have had the chance to look through your website, and I am really impressed with what you have to offer. And one of the things I love is some of your chairs. I saw Sporty Couture, and that is a really cool chair. It has kind of like a like a steampunk and a gothic feel together. What kind What kind of brought you up with these ideas? Um, you know, I just I really like the mixing of. Um of you know of the two different styles like you know they're kind of classic chairs and kind of making them edgy and fun and I think that's kind of what I do with most of my like my art and stuff like that it's about duality you know um and I I just want to have like more cool like personalized 
pieces for um, home decor, you know? Absolutely. So anybody can have an idea and they can kind of tell you what they want and you'll just, you'll just be able to make them? Or, or would they be on the same style chair? Or Because I saw a lot of the chairs are basically almost the same style. Some of them are a little different. Um, yeah. What type of options do they have? Well, there's so I have the Daft House line, which is um, one of a kind chairs and limited edition. So some of them are that's it. That's there's one, and then limited edition. There's like twelve to twenty, depending on which style, and they're numbered. So um, I want to just keep them all like you know special and unique. And then if somebody wants something custom made, of course I can do anything custom that they want. That's awesome. Now I saw the one that you also did with the Little Mermaid. It's uh, F this world, <laughs> F your uh-huh. world. That's awesome. Yeah. What made you say something like that? What was what was the um, the the uh, passion behind that? It was actually my stepson. He loves um, uh, Little Mermaid, <laughs> so we made him a chair that kind of was like that. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. And- and one of the other ones I like is Dark Child, and I like that they has some spikes on it. Is that more for just a decorate, decorative piece more than just something you could just sit down and enjoy? Because obviously they has spikes on it. Are the spikes no, soft? No, we actually spent a lot of time. We spent a lot of time, like, figuring out where the elbows actually go on that chair um, <laughs> so that you can actually put your elbows down and you won't hurt yourself. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So- and then on the back, I don't know if you noticed, but they're um, molded leather skulls on the back. Yes, I did see that. And even on the other one, the court, the couture one, it has like uh, some like uh, sequins or something behind there that's uh, yeah. sparkly. That's really cool. Yeah. So, so um, I got um, I have a lot um, of new stuff coming um, out right now. I have um, a store called Daff House mm-hmm. and um, um, in Los Angeles. So it's going to ca- I'm going to carry obviously the chairs and it'll be like a lifestyle store with like kids stuff as well, like home decor and kids stuff. Now, do you actually make these yourself, or do you send them out for manufacturers with your uh, specific uh, designs and everything that they put together for you, or is it something you physically make with your own hands? No, I don't make them with my own hands, but um, I'm involved very much in the design process um, and picking things out. Um, I work with these two talented girls um, that help um, make them. And you also do a lot of other things, too. I've seen a lot of your paintings uh, that you have. Some of them, it looks like they're mixed media. Some of it's uh, paint. Um, what inspires you to do these specific, these specific uh, uh, paintings and, and the, uh, the creative ideas that you come up with for those? Well, I've been painting for a long time. It's actually like my meditation, I would say, or like my my outlet. Like I, My husband says I'll go crazy if I don't paint. <laughs> um, he built a studio for me in <laughs> the house. Like, I think it's like therapeutic i need it um so yeah i just i don't know i just it's where i i just relax and meditate i guess um i don't know i just play with the paint i consider myself a finger painter but um but yeah (laughs) when do you get your best ideas for me it's always the minute my head hits the bed and i'm ready to go to sleep and it's like my eyes open up and i'm completely ready to go out there and do something uh because i get these great ideas and it's like okay i gotta put it on paper right now can't wait till morning is that the same for you um well i get excited like when i come up with like a new process that i want to try um it's like that but um no actually everything kind of just happens in the moment like i don't really have a plan when i start painting well, I, I guess I guess your sleeping patterns are are thanking you for that then, because I, <laughs> <laughs> I look like hell because I sl- you know like like tonight I'll probably go to bed at like ten thirty eleven o'clock at night, and mm-hmm. as soon as I hit the bed, I'm going to be up and I'll probably be you know crawling into bed around two thirty, 
and it's like and it does it every night it's never fail it, it just drives me nuts but i love the process i love the idea to be able to get out there and do what i would love to do and uh, create cool things for people that i hope people will like yeah so you also do a lot of stuff with interior designing as well and i've seen some of the mm-hmm. before and after pictures um and i I know that interior designing is a completely different medium from anything, even architecture and everything else. It has, you got to deal with styles, colors, textures, all kinds of different things. Um, what was one of your first projects and when did you realize that this is something you want to add to the DAF house? Um, the very first project was actually with my husband. He does property development and he's the one who kind of introduced me um, to the world of property development and interior design and, and um, you know, refurbishing homes. And, um, and I fell in love with it. It was like a cool way for me to express my creative, um, my creative side and my artistic side, but in a way where people could appreciate it and live in it. And, you know, you could see it like happen. Um, and that's what I loved about it. So yeah, he introduced me to it. And my first project was actually the first one that you see on my website of the befores and afters. You see like the, the fireplace um, picture before and after um, if you go to my website. And that was my very first project. Was it a little bit daunting for you to do something like that? I know when I first started out in art, I did, was doing architecture and designing, drafting that for that side, but I just didn't have the love for it. And I don't know if it's because I was in the wrong field of it or whatever, but I know it's also very daunting because there was a lot to do with it. Um, what was it There's like for a you? Lot. Well, see, I'm, I really like the um, organizing side of it as well. Like, I really like doing like spreadsheets that I really like the, the organization of it. So for me, like that was a lot of, it was a fun aspect to the artistic side as well. So I got to have like the artistic side and I also got to do a little bit of like, like kind of what most people don't like to do, like the organizing side of it um, and um, the management side of it. So I liked all of it and I just fell in love with, I fell in love with the whole process. So that's what I do a lot of now. And obviously, one of the most important parts of that is capturing the uh, essence of the of the customer because you gotta you gotta put their their basically their 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 selves into that into that space so it complements them because otherwise they're not gonna be happy. Yeah. So how yeah, do you, you want to find out like what they do and what they use the space for and um, and kind of work around that, you know? What's been one of your most challenging ones to date from anybody that has uh, thrown something at you as a project? Um, somebody, okay. One of the projects was, um, was an apartment that somebody wanted to rent out on a $3,000 budget. And it was the craziest apartment, messiest apartment I've ever seen. And I was like, okay, let's do this. Um, and it's actually the befores and afters are on my website. So, um, we did a lot with $3,000 and he rented it out and it worked out great. Um, but yeah, that was probably the most challenging one. And obviously, budgets are very important because if somebody has a bigger yeah. budget, the, the sky is the limit and you can do more yeah, things. Yeah, of course. But, you know, I mean, $3,000 is a lot of money. But, but at the same time, when you're doing a two-bedroom place that has nothing, it was a, it was a challenge. But it was, we did a really good job with it and it came out great. What do you try to accomplish when you do these uh, rooms? What's the most important f- part of it for you? Is it, is it Function. space? Function. Yeah. How do you make it function? For, what's one of the it's, easiest things to do? Well, it depends on what the space is being used for and who's using it. Um, obviously, like the the aesthetics of it is the fun part, but the function of it is just as important. Um, like a like if the room is going to be used for um, for a workspace or a study space as well, or if it's going to be used as you know a TV space or 
um, it just depends because most rooms have multifunctions. So you're just trying to figure out what they use that space for, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if this plays a part in it or not, but sometimes, you know, being a female yourself, it's probably a little bit easier to create spaces for women than maybe man caves. Um, I don't know. I don't know how that is for you, but I know for me, it would probably be a little difficult. What's it like for you when somebody comes up to you and they want more of a masculine space? What do you have to kind of take into consideration? The majority of my clients have all been men. So, um, so it's pretty easy. I think maybe because I grew up with a lot of brothers. Mm, That that (laughs) does help. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So where do you want to see this, uh, your, your company grow in the next, say, five, five to six years? What, what, what goals do you have for it? Well, right now, like I said, um, we have the um, Daff House and Daff House Kids um, uh, store opening, which I'm very excited about, um, in February. So we're working on this space right now, constructing it and um, getting everything in order for that. Um, so I think just focusing on that and focusing on the Daff House line is really what is important in my career right now. Now, obviously, you did some modeling in, in your earlier days as, as a you know teen growing up and stuff like that. Is that something you still continue to do, or would you ever take on like <laughs> uh, any any reality television or anything like that? Um, you know, if if something right came along, of course. But no, I don't do that anymore. Really, um, um, obviously, like I'm still busy from things from the past um, occasionally, but um, I'm just really focused on my family and my kids, and you know. Um, interior design and the line that's really where most of my attention is right now you know art is very therapeutic for a lot of people in so many different ways sometimes it helps with uh you know mental illness or stress or sometimes it helps with uh just coping with life and 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 you know refreshing your brain to do something interesting um how did it help you how did it help me yeah um well i've been doing art like for a long time like before I even got into entertainment, I would say. Um, so I've always painted. Like, that's kind of where it all started. So I don't really know. It's just kind of always been something I've done. So what type know. of what type of advice would you give to anybody that wants to pick up an art form or, you know, just follow in, in uh, their dreams of becoming an artist? What type of uh, stuff would you tell Just do what feels them? good. Just do what feels good. You know, um, there, I don't really, I don't know. I think just do what feels good. Like if, if you want to try an, an art format, just try it and just have fun. I think the most important thing is to have fun and not take it too seriously, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I've run into is, you know, people seem to, you know, worry about what other people think about the artwork. And I believe that you can't necessarily do that. you got to do what makes you happy, and then other people will fall off suit. Do you feel the yeah, same you way? You, yeah, you do it for you. I think art has to be um, – I think you can feel it, too, but when you look at art, too, when it's made for other people or when it's made from, you know, just the moment and from you, you know? Mm-hmm. So what other projects do you have coming up as far as design projects that you have coming out? Um, I'm working on um, two modern houses in Studio City right now that will be done in probably, I don't know, 10 months. Um, And then another one in Glendale where um, I'm tearing someone's house down and building them a new one. Wow. So, um, yeah, so I have two big projects that that I'm working on. Well, it's kind of three, but one of them is together because they're two moderns next to each other. 
Have you ever worked on one of these new mini houses that I see coming up? That's like you know basically the size I of a camper. I haven't. I haven't. But my mom was you know just talking about that. Um, so no, I haven't. But I think they're really cute. <laughs> <laughs> see that that's the type of a house that I would like to just maybe use for like a vacation. But I don't know if I could live in something that small all the time. I don't think I could either. <laughs> but imagine what you have to do to to make things functional in there. I mean, like you said, function yeah. is very important. So. It's yeah. something like that. It has to be functionable. Yeah, it has to be. Well, uh, tell everybody, because we're almost running out of time. We've got about two and a half minutes left. Tell everybody where they can find your projects, where they can learn more about the DAF house, and maybe contact you if they have something that they're interested in. Yeah, you can um, go to my website. It's www.dafhouse.com or com. It goes to the same place. Um, and I, you know, I update it. Um, the website often and it has everything that I'm doing and everything from art and um, interiors and products. So check it out. <laughs> Can they also buy your art on there? Because I did go check out the artwork that you had, but I didn't see a way to purchase it. Is that something you're just showing on there? Or is it something that somebody can buy? Yeah, I mean, you can email me and um, send me a message and um, we can discuss that. Yeah. Okay, that's very good because I know some people probably see that and say, well, I want to buy this. I don't know how. So we cleared that up for everybody out there. Just go ahead and email her. Well, Carrie, yeah. thank you for coming on. This has been a great uh, great interview. I'm really excited thank to see you. what you have coming out. And I know your, your, your uh, products just fit my lifestyle 100%. I'm, I'm in love with it. So hopefully maybe someday I'll it. be able to get one myself. Definitely. Thanks right. for having me on your show. Oh, you're welcome. All right, guys, we are going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got so much more, so don't go anywhere. Do you love horror? The strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. <laughs> This is Andrea Tantaros from the Fox News Channel and author of the new bestseller, Tied Up the Knots. You're listening to AME Radio. Welcome back. It is the end of the show, and we're going to be closing it up with a little bit of music. But before we go, I want everybody to go check out our website, www.theamemagazine.com. There you'll be able to see what the AME experience is, which is our magazine, radio, and television show. So if you missed anything on the show, want to see who we have coming up, want to catch up on a past guest that we've had, go check it out. It's all archived. You can also see our great adventures on our television show, and you can go to our magazine and read up about all different types of art-related material. Also, we are on uh, different social media platforms. If on Facebook, we want likes and follows and interactions there, go to www.the... Um, www.facebook.com forward slash the AME experience. And if you're on Twitter, it's at D-O-W-D studios. You can also find us on Instagram, uh, on Pinterest, and a lot of other places just Googling my name, Jason Dowd, or search it when you go to those uh, specific profiles. Also, check us out every Friday at 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.klap. It's an internet radio station. 
uh, AM FM 247 every Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it's on the internet and also on um, seven AM FM stations across the United States. Go check out the website for those details. You can also find us on iHeart. All you have to do is go to iHeart.com, log into your account, and then search AME Radio Show. And we're there on demand 24 hours a day. Anytime you show up, it's right there. It's a great way to listen to the AME experience. Okay, guys. I'm going to be leaving you with a little bit of music. I hope you enjoyed our guest. I hope you enjoyed the show this week. Come back next week. we got so much more. we got a lot of interviews, a lot of great interviews coming up, great advice that you're going to want to hear. And all you have to do is just go to our website or tune us in next week. All right, guys. Till then, keep those creative juices flowing. We will talk to you again. Stay safe. Have a great weekend.
we're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay? That's it.